jump back into a series on Elijah. Turn to your neighbor and say, Elijah. Now, if you don't know who Elijah is, I'll give us a little bit of the backstory. Don't worry, you'll be cued in and, and teed in here where we're going. Um, but we kicked it off, Pastor Malik kicked it off last week talking about Elijah, who James 5 says is an ordinary person just like you and I. Now, how many of you have read any of the story or familiar with the story of Elijah? Right, buddy, like call down fire from heaven, stop the rain, like raise the dead. I don't exactly consider him ordinary, right? I'm like, y'all might have a different definition. And yet James says he's ordinary. And Pastor Malik kicked off the word talking about how Elijah said he was an ordinary person like you and I, but he did what? He prayed. We talked about the power of abiding in prayer. If you missed it, Guyana online in the room, encourage you to check it out on our YouTube or our podcast channel. This week, I wanna dig a little bit deeper into this very topic and dive into Elijah's story, answering the question, okay, last week, if you remember, Pastor Malik tossed out a challenge. He said 15 and 15, that was our homework. 15 minutes in the word, 15 minutes in prayer, talking, listening to God every single day. How many of you gave it at least a shot? You gave it a shot. All right. Is that the Finlaters? What's up, Sean and Natalie? Love you guys. Oh, sorry, distracted. All right, so 15 and 15 was the homework. If you're like, all right, I've been doing that. Now what? Ah, that's where we're going this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you don't, we've got Sky Bible on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. Uh, football season's back. I'm sure you've all been waiting. When is Pastor John gonna talk about football? Because I need that in my life. So because I'm here to serve, um, I will say that Tua's first pass was not the ideal start since December, but his second drive looked okay. Some of y'all are like, I don't have the faith for it. I'm not even gonna talk about the Jets because I'm kind of salty about that right now. Danny, don't even look at me. We'll start in the Bible. If you remember, when we last left our human hero, Elijah, he had just gone up to King Ahab, who was leading the people in all sorts of idolatry and ways against the path of God. And he had said, listen, bro, it's not gonna rain no mo. Ooh, it's been a while. Buckle your seatbelts for the next two hours. He said, listen, it's not gonna rain anymore. I'm just playing, I'm just playing, it'll be an hour and a half. He said, it's not gonna rain anymore until I give the word. And we'll pick up. In verse seven, God sends him to this ravine. The ravens are feeding him morning, noon, and night. That's pretty crazy. Would have loved to see what that looked like. Verse seven, here's where we pick up. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Somebody say, uh-oh. Because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And it said, he said, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon. You're like, where is that? I'll explain. And stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was indeed there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he said, and also, can you get me a piece of bread? Verse 12, she says, as surely as the Lord God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Yikes. So Elijah said to her, hey, don't be afraid because what's there to fear? Don't be afraid. Go home, do as you've said. But first, check that out. First, something there. He said, but first, make a small cake of bread for me. 
from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and what? She did it. That's crazy. She did as Elijah had told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. And the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. If last week was all about ordinary people, this week is about ordinary people becoming something different. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I am so excited to be back with our church sharing the word. Would you speak? Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, get ready. We're gonna jump in. We are a culture, we are a people, we are a tribe that loves learning. Any learners in the room, anybody just love to learn? Google queens and, and, and search engine seraphs. You're like, I just love it. I love jumping on there. I'm the facts guy, anybody online? We, we're a culture that loves learning, but not always listening. Whoo, someone's like, I feel attacked. It's okay, it's all of us. I remember not too long ago, I got a phone call from a friend and he was considering a new car purchase. And he was kind of laying out his reasons for why he thought it might be a good idea and asking me my opinion and what I thought. And so I asked a few clarifying questions and we went back and forth. And finally I said, hey, listen, I kind of get where you're going and why you're thinking, but since you asked, I think to make this car purchase at this moment is a very bad decision, don't do it. And he was like, oh, bro, thank you so much. I really appreciate your feedback. That's amazing. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Love you, man. Talk to you later. I came to find out that he had called several, some of you are already laughing because you're like, I know where this is going. He, I, he had called several other, some of you are like, I, I, I am that person. The, he had called several other of our close friends and he was like, hey, and he had asked them the same question and unanimously, all of us came back without talking to one another with the same conclusion. Totally get where you're going, get the idea, but man, don't do it. And he was like, thank you so much, man. You guys are amazing. I love having a community like this. It's so incredible. Talk to you guys later. Two weeks later, I get a text. You can already guess. Check out my new car. I was like, oh, that's so good. So good. And it turned out so bad. It's like, no, man. And I remember thinking, I'm like, Man, and, and, and let's be honest, like some of you are like, I am that person. And if you're like, I, my spouse is that person, well, you're also that person in other ways, right? We all, we all kind of do this, this, this unique dilemma in the human frame. We love to learn about right, great ideas, but we don't always listen to what, to what we learn. And, and I remember thinking, man, he did all the right learning, but why didn't he just listen? And it got me thinking about last week. Last week, Pastor Malik talked about this challenge of abiding in prayer, right? Sometimes life gets so crazy and so busy that we don't ever take time to stop and listen to God. We have these adages that we know, God is always speaking. Are we going to take the time and listen? That's one challenge in and of itself in our fast paced world. Are we going to take the time to listen? But I don't know if you've come to learn this unique dynamic with heavenly father, but what do you do when you take the time to pause and listen and what God says seems to make absolutely 
no sense. Anybody ever been there? Like, you're like, God, here's what I think a good time frame would be. And God's like, actually, I'm gonna do the exact opposite. Like, what do we do when we've paused? It's one, it's one challenge in and of itself to take the time to listen. But what do you do when God's speaking, when you're abiding, when you're there, and what God's saying seems to make no sense and not line up with your time frame, preconceived notions, definitions of success, whatsoever? On one hand, we have this sort of twofold problem. On one hand, we have a propensity as humans to get so caught up and so busy that we don't listen to the voices and the voice that matters most. And on the other hand, if we do have the wherewithal to pause and listen, we have this tendency to hear and not obey. Why? Well, there's a bunch of reasons, right? Sometimes it's a lack of faith. We don't know or, or believe that God can actually do it. Sometimes it's confusion. Like, I, I don't know, I, I, I've been praying, I've been thinking, is, is, was it God? I, I felt like I heard something. I felt like I had a sense of something. Was it God? Was it not God? Anyone ever struggled with that before? In two weeks, we're talking specifically on that tension. How do you hear God's voice? How do you know if it's God speaking? Sometimes it's a lack of faith. Can God do it? Other times it's a lack of trust, will God do it. And often, if we're being truly honest, we are flat out just too scared to obey. This theme of fear, it's already been mentioned all throughout pre-service prayer and a little bit during the service, and I don't think that's any coincidence because there's so many things God might be calling us to do. He might be speaking to us about in the room, in Guyana, on online. There's so many different things that God has amazing plans for. By the way, plans to prosper you and flourish and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. There's so many things that God might be calling us to do that if we're not just giving the church answer, praise God, brother, of course, I'm going to step out in faith, not fear. And we're being a little bit more honest. They terrify us, right? It's like, God, are you are you sure about this one? Let's make it real practical. In this very moment, if you're listening under the sound of my voice, God might be speaking to you, nudging you, prompting you to move, to leave a job, to take a job, to take a promotion, to turn down a promotion, to be generous with your money or your time or your microchurch or your serving, to take new steps in your parenting, to have a difficult conversation with your roommates or your spouse, to step out and share the good news of the gospel with someone in your life, to get into community, to, to finally give that microchurch thing a shot that you've been kind of pushing down the proverbial road over and over, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do it next semester and the next semester is next semester and the next semester, ah, I'm gonna do it eventually. He might be prompting you to pray for someone, to give a Bible verse or a word of encouragement to a coworker or a neighbor or a complete stranger and you're wrestling with, ah, what are they gonna think about me? We exist here at Greenhouse to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. James says that Elijah was an ordinary person just like you and I. So why do we so often look an ordinary that looks nothing like an Elijah? See, I think sometimes we get stuck in the ordinary because we don't know what God is thinking and wants us to do, but, but I think much more often we get stuck in the ordinary because we're afraid. I know I can relate to that. Fear keeps us stuck in the ordinary life 
rather than being launched into the extraordinary life that we see here in the story of Elijah and so many others. We get trapped in the ordinary, which by the way is not supposed to be the totality of our experience in the human condition. We were created, scripture says, for good works that God prepared in advance for us to walk in, but we get trapped in the ordinary. And this morning specifically, I wanna talk about the culprit of fear. Our prayer is that we would be ordinary people becoming something more. If you're here this morning in the room or you're watching online or you're in Guyana and you're like, man, I I look at Elijah, I'm like, yeah, right. I feel so ordinary. Welcome to the club. Here's the great news for you this morning. God loves to use ordinary people. In fact, those are the only type of people, well, save Jesus, who was anything but ordinary, right? Son of God, God, man. But save Jesus, the only type of people God uses are ordinary people like you and I. But here's what he does. He takes ordinary people, but he does not leave them in the place that he found them. Can I get an amen? And all this week, I've just been wondering. I wonder how many ordinary Elijahs Elijahs, put yourself in there, are in the room or listening right now, but you stopped at verse one. And this very morning, you're gonna sense the spirit of God tapping you on the shoulder, telling you to step out on the journey of becoming more. It's time to start becoming. If God loves to use ordinary people, if we exist to help ordinary people become, this week is all about how you become. You said, John, how does an ordinary life turn extraordinary like we see in the story of Elijah? We're gonna jump into it. Here it is, when someone steps out in faith. When someone steps out in faith, here's the big idea. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down and runs right in line with what Zach prayed and shared at the end of worship. We grow in faith and step into the extraordinary when we obey God in spite of our fear. We grow in faith and step into the extraordinary when we obey God in spite of our fear. All right, ready to dive into the story? One person, awesome. Anybody else ready to dive into the story? I could be here all day. I mean, I'm good. It's been some minutes. All right, all right, here we go. Nate's ready. Okay, let's dive into the story. Three main movements in this chapter. The first movement, the first little excerpt from our human hero, Elijah, is this. Elijah prays. Everybody say pray. You got to pray. Nobody? Just to make it today. Okay, never it doesn't matter. Whatever, it's fine, it's fine. Elijah comes on the scene out of nowhere. He just pops on the scene. We get a very limited tidbit of his backstory. He's, from, he's a Tishbite where we kind of know what, where that's from, but not really. And he delivers this, hey, it won't rain kind of word to King Ahab, mic drop moment, and he walks away into the wilderness. He just pops up out of nowhere. Many Bible scholars and historians believe this is by design to emphasize that Elijah was not some incredible backstory, noble birth, incredible lineage. He was just a dude. He delivers this word, prays it won't rain. It does not rain, then he takes off. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I I get into the story. My background is an English teacher. I was an English major and I'm a word nerd. And so I'm like, I'm just, I can't shake the question. How did Elijah know to pray that? You ever wonder that? Like, it's not in the text. It doesn't say, and then God said, here's the perfect prayer. And Elijah's like, yes, I got it. Like, we don't know. 
And so I kept, well, how did Elijah know to pray this prayer? And I'm like, man, it doesn't say in the text that God told him explicitly. We know that he cultivated a prayer life. And so he was accustomed to hearing God's voice. We know about this. We see it over and over in the beginning of the story here. But how did he know? I'm like, is it, is it an Old Testament prophet thing? Like, is it in one of the prophets? And it wasn't, but it was actually all throughout the book of Deuteronomy. So all throughout the book of Deuteronomy, God tells his people, hey, listen, if you do the type of things that the people were doing under King Ahab, the people of God had created all these idols, they were worshiping Baal, they were, they were doing all sorts of stuff. God, pro God promises, here's blessings if you follow my path because I love you and I want you to thrive. But if you do not follow my path, there are explicit things that will happen. One of which is, can you guess? He's gonna shut up the heavens. I'm convinced, now again, I don't have explicit, this is, this is sort of me reading into this story here, but it's like, how did he know? Maybe he, he heard some mystical word from God, but definitely as a man of God, this was in the scriptures. This was the promise of God for the people. Elijah just stepped out and acted on it. By the way, exceptionally important to be people of the word. You can be confident to step out in faith when you're aligning with God's word as revealed in his will. This is what Elijah does. He, he sort of sticks, sticks his neck out in prayer, right? It's one thing, if you ever met like a, a, a famous person or you ever stood before a dignitary or like he stands before the most powerful person in his known world and delivers a very unpopular word that there will be no rain. And then the adventure begins. He delivers this no rain word and then God speaks to Elijah. And what does Elijah do? He obeys. Look at verse three. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, verse two, and said, leave here, turn eastward, hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan, that would have been the Jordan River. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. By the way, does that sound crazy to anybody else? Like you feel like, man, sometimes God says some crazy things. All right, talk to Elijah. God's like, listen, I got some birds. They're gonna, they're gonna send you like Uber Eats. Like the birds are gonna do it. It's like ancient Uber Eats. Don't even worry about the tip. Let, just, just trust me, crazy. Verse five, and Elijah, what does it say? Did what the Lord told him. I'm telling you it's key. I wonder how many of us are trapped in ordinary because we're doing 15 and 15 and then God says something in the 15 and we're like, that's crazy, nope. And then we go back and we're like, man, it's so boring. Pastor Malik, you told me there's this amazing adventure God has for me. I've been praying 15 and 15 all week long. Well, here's a question. Have you done one thing with it? I'm getting ahead of myself here. God says, go. So Elijah goes. In the wilderness, fed by ravens, by the way, geeking out here, ravens are biblically unclean animals. God gives a list for his people of animals they should interact with. If, you're, if you have a Jewish friend or neighbor, maybe you're like me from a Jewish background, this is where kosher comes from. God, God says, hey, these are the animals. Ravens are scavengers. They are unclean animals. Check this. God uses unclean animals to keep his prophet and servant Elijah alive. Why? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't tell us, but here's my guess because he always does it. God loves to use unlikely people in unlikely places to bring about kingdom purposes. Woo, that'll preach. You're like, well, I'm just a college student. Well, man, I'm just the baby in my family. Well, man, I'm just low in my org chart at my organization. Don't, don't, don't give me that. 
God loves to use unlikely people in unlikely places to bring his kingdom. So he gets the Uber Eats delivered. And things are probably pretty crazy, I'm assuming, for Elijah in Raven World. Like, I'm, I've never been fed by birds before. But I would imagine that's a unique experience. So Elijah is there, quite literally, being sustained by the unclean ravens. Did they talk? I don't know. Baltimore Ravens football. Anyways, I'm distracted. And then, but he's there. It's crazy. But at least he's safe, right? He, he's Jerusalem's most wanted at this point. He's, he's declared in an agrarian society, drought is equivalent to famine, is equivalent to death. Elijah has just proclaimed death on an entire nation and people group. Like, people are probably a little upset, right? He's Jerusalem's most wanted. He's there, he's isolated, he's alone, but God is clearly with him. The ravens are feeding him. It's not an ideal scenario for Elijah, but at least he's safe. And then God speaks again. Let's look at what he says. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain. Mission accomplished, answered prayer. God, we're good. Awesome. Then the word of the Lord came ahead and said, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. And I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So Elijah went. Part number one that blows my mind is that Elijah, he just stepped out in faith and praised this bold prayer of no rain. Point number two is that Elijah continues to step out and obey. Point number one, Elijah prays. Point number two, Elijah steps out and obeys. The brook dries up his place of safety and God says, all right, here we go, Elijah. Here's the next part of the plan. You're gonna get up and go to Zarephath. Now, let me break down some ancient topography because I don't know where Zarephath is. Elijah is there, he's at the Jordan River. The brook dries up. God calls him to Zarephath, which is about 100 miles away. He's not gonna take an Uber or an airplane. He's most likely gonna get there how? He's gonna walk. You ever walked 10 miles? My wife loves to hike. Our children were tortured. It's like, it, you know, you walk like 10 miles, 20 miles, it's a thing. You walk 100 miles in the desert, that's another thing. You walk 100 miles in the desert as a wanted man with a bounty on your head, that's something. God says, but I got good news for you. I'm gonna send you to Zarephath. You're like, what's Zarephath? Well, Zarephath is where they manufactured the idols for Baal. Zarephath is where this woman who we have been introduced in our story named Jezebel lives. The one who murdered, oh yeah, all the prophets of God a little bit before this happened. Zarephath is enemy territory. Zarephath is like if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan and God said, I have great plans for your life. You're gonna move to Tallahassee, Tallahassee. And you said, God, anywhere but there, can anything good come from Tallahassee? Some of y'all are seminal fans. It's okay, we'll pray for you after service. But um, go Gators, but you know, we could, we could share a common enemy. Enemy of our enemy is my friend. So God says, I'm gonna send you that. Now, now that's, okay, number one, 100 mile walk, wanted man, crazy. Number two, Zarephath. Really, God, anywhere but Zarephath. Number three, you're like, okay, but tell me at least, like you got a, you got a, a wealthy business owner that's gonna provide for me in the midst of this family. Tell me at least you got, I've got a merchant loaded with hummus and pita for days on end. God says, you're gonna go to enemy territory, a hundred miles away, walking, and by the way, great news, I got a widow who's gonna care for you. A widow 
in the ancient world, you know what happened to widows? They died. In the ancient world, if you did not have children, especially sons to care for you, if you did not have a husband as a covering, in the ancient world, widows were way down the totem pole. Now this is beautiful because God has a unique and passionate heart for who? Ooh, look at that God, always going after unlikely people in unlikely places. But God says, great news, Elijah. I know the brook just tried up, but we're gonna go to Zarephath. Z- what, Zarephath, who? No, 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 but chill, chill, chill. I got a widow. This is the worst plan. This is the worst plan, ow. I just hit my elbow. Do we have a medic on stand? No, I'm just playing. And what does Elijah do? He does it. He does it. Man, it's one thing to pray the Father God's when it's all theoretical. It's another thing to say yes, God, and go when he speaks. He does it. He steps out. He goes to Zarephath. Now, I know this is a Bible story, which means it can live in the realm of theory, but can you put yourself in Elijah's shoes for just one moment? Because he was an ordinary person just like you and I. I'm like, God, for real, like, you can stop the rain, but you can't keep the brook flowing? For real, God? Like, you've got water power, but it like stops on earthbound streams? Like, come on! If I'm Elijah, I'm a little bit frustrated. If I'm Elijah, like one brother in our church, he said, me and my wife don't fight. We have um, intense fellowship. <laughs> like, God bless you. You've been married how long? Amen. You'll change your euphemism soon enough. But if I'm Elijah, I'm having intense fellowship with the Lord at this point. I'm like, really, God? Zarephath, brook dries up. You're like, do you want me to die? You ever felt like God met you part of the way just like you thought? And you're like, yeah. And then he seems to disappear. But this joker just keeps going. He just keeps following. He just keeps trusting. Well, he was just, no, 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 no. He was just what? An ordinary person. Just like you and I. That's what the Bible says. See, at this point, it it seems pointless. If you just stop the story right here, it seems like failed plans. It seems like God either didn't think it through or didn't care enough about Elijah to follow through his end of the bargain. If you stop the story right here, it seems like a waste. You're just going to forget about me, God? I love you. I step out for you. I, 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 I follow your lead. I, I proclaim your word. And then you're just going to. I don't know how Elijah went to Zarephath, but I've got to imagine there's some human emotions in there because Elijah was an ordinary person. Just like you and I. But he prayed. And then he obeyed. See, what we know, because we know the whole story, by the way, he obviously did not, he was living it, is that God actually had extraordinary plans for our very ordinary hero, Elijah. And I just want you to pause and consider for just a moment, in the room, online, Guyana. By the way, Guyana said I could preach for two hours or more or so. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, How much do you guys want me to preach for? I mean, it's not a competition, but how spiritual are we? I'm just playing. I'm not gonna preach for two hours. I want you to think about this for just a moment. 
would you be willing to consider? And I say this sensitively and delicately because I do not know every individual situation in this room. And life is hard. And emotions are, are intense. But would you consider for just a moment that maybe what you see as pointless suffering, God is wanting to use to ultimately bring about rescue, redemption, and glory. Because that's what he did for Elijah. See, we grow in faith and we step into the extraordinary when we obey God, not absent from fear, in spite of our fear. We grow in faith and step out in the extraordinary when we obey God in spite of our fear. And again, Elijah says, he says, yes. Verse nine, God tells him to go to Zarephath of Sidon, stay there. He's commanded a widow in that pace to supply him with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath, finds the widow and says, hey, can I get some food? But there's a problem. The widow, as one would imagine in a famine, is at the bottom of the social totem pole and she is literally having the last supper in the not Jesus and the disciples way. Like it's game over for the widow. She's like, I literally have two sticks to rub together and I'm gonna use them to make a little bit of hummus and pita with my son and then we're dead. And apparently that's all God needs with obedience. Check out this exchange. Elijah comes to her, says, hey, she tells him, hey, listen, I mean, sure, man of God, I'll, I'll do whatever, but like, we're about to die. This is all we got. And Elijah says, well, don't be afraid. I mean, because who, why? He says, go home, do everything you said. That sounds amazing. Go ahead, do the last supper. He doesn't even tell her. He says, go do everything you said. Do, go do your last supper. He says, but first, make me something to eat. A, what an audacious ask from Elijah, but it's what God told him to do. It's, it's a really crazy scenario. If you think about this story, if you get into this story, it's, it's pretty amazing. He says, do everything you have planned, but first, if you remember from May, which is the last time I got to speak and share with you guys, if you remember from May, we had a whole sermon about the principle of the first when it comes to tithing and generosity and obedience. God is always about the first. Do you remember why? Because the first is all about what? Faith. And that's God's love language, faith. In fact, scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Elijah says, do everything you have planned, man, that's great, go, go ahead and do it. But first, why is first so difficult? Because if she provides for Elijah first, there's no guarantee there's anything left over. Now she's stepping out in faith. Now she's stepping out in trust. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm no, I know I'm a pastor, but I don't float and levitate out of bed. Like I have to put my clothes on just like everybody else, right? Like I, at this point, Jesus and I have almost 20 years of history of really following him, loving him. I always go to God. But sometimes it's third or fourth. Sometimes I'm more American than I am a disciple. And I'm like, we, we can do the ingenuity. Let's get some ideas. Let's pull the band together. Let's work on this. And then eventually like, oh gosh, I don't know. God help. There's something about first. There's something about going first. 
See, extraordinary requires obedience. The widow looking death in the face obeys in the midst of fear and she experiences the extraordinary. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. She did it. She did it. I mean, literally looking death in the face, she did it. And there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. The jar of flour didn't go run up and the oil didn't run dry, just like God had told Elijah. At this point, you're like, man, what a story. This is amazing. This is inspiring. Pastor John, bring the band up. This might be a good time to take up an offering if you're in church, right? Like, yeah, come on, let's go. And if the story ended there, it would be so great. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Step one, Elijah prays. If you wanna walk in the extraordinary life that God has created you for, Elijah prays. Then he steps out in obedience and faith and he obeys. And then lastly, what we see in this crazy story is God transforms a tragedy. God calls Elijah. He steps out in faith, prays this prayer, sees God's word, Deuteronomy. It's not gonna rain, it doesn't provides for the brook ravens. It's weird, but awesome. And then God, and the brook dries up and God says, you're going to Zarephath, enemy territory where the manufacture the idols for Baal worship. Ah, oh, it's crazy. But he goes, then God says, go to a widow. Really a widow? Yes, a widow. And then he goes, then he tells the widow, hey, uh, can you make me a cake first before you go and make the last supper for you and your son to die? And she does it and God provides and it's amazing game over. And then her son dies. Verse 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? I don't know about you, but can you resonate with that sentiment? We don't know what her sin is. We don't know her story. But what we know about humanity is that we all know. Like, we know it. Like, if there is, maybe you're here, you're agnostic, you're an atheist. You're like, I'm not sure about God, but I'm investigating. I have a friend who invited me. We're thrilled you're here. Maybe you're like, I, I don't quite know if God does God, but if God does indeed exist and he's God, like, I'm sure we're not, like, in the best spot together. Like, I've definitely done, this woman knows, I've, I've done some stuff. And we seem to, like, this woman is humanity. Like, we seem to always go there when stuff happens. When good happens, we attribute it to our incredible abilities. And when bad happens, who do we blame? Why? Because we know we're guilty. I mean, if we're being honest, like, we deserve it. She says, is this what this has all been about? This, this whole get my hopes up only to come crashing down? Like, if God wanted to punish me, well, I guess he did it now. That's her psyche and her emotions. But imagine if you're Elijah now. Like, really, God? The brook dries up. You send me to this widow, this widow with nothing about to die. And then you come through and supernaturally provide. And it's amazing. And now her son dies. Like, God, what are you doing? 
And I'm very encouraged by Elijah's response because it reemphasizes that Elijah's just a person. What we find here is that Elijah is actually at a loss. Elijah is indeed ordinary like you and I, but Elijah does something first. Here's what he does. He prays. Verse 19, Elijah says, give me your son. He takes the son, goes up to his room, the upper room that he had at the house where he was staying, and he lays the son on the bed. Then he cries out to the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy? Also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. Elijah apparently did not have a problem being very honest and real with God. Really, God? What are you doing? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, oh Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. You ever been in a story in, in, in a room with someone who, who's dying or near death? You ever been on one of those hospital visits? You ever felt that emotional tension of I don't wanna do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing? Like, and now you're in Elijah's shoes and, and maybe you've been in that spot before or maybe you have not, but I'm not sure how many of us when in that spot and the emotional stakes are so high, go ahead and pray for resurrection. Maybe one or two of us have. Maybe some of us have, and that's amazing. That probably was not the first prayer that you prayed, though. Like, I've never tried this prayer thing, but let's start here. Resurrection, right? But that's where Elijah goes. And this, is, this has been my challenge all series long. I'm like, I know God doesn't lie, and God inspires his word, and James says, inspired by God, that Elijah was ordinary, but he sure does not look ordinary to me. I mean, ordinary people don't just roll up into a hospital morgue where someone is dead and say, don't worry about it, guys, and pray for life. And then I started thinking, well, this isn't the first story Elijah has with God. Remember, Elijah was an ordinary person like you and I, but this response seems anything but ordinary. Then it hit me. Elijah, just like you and I, is on a journey of becoming. Just in chapter 17, I think we have a small snapshot, a window into his life. First, he steps out and, and he's looking maybe at the scriptures. Maybe, he maybe God speaks to him. We don't quite know, but, but he steps out, sticks his neck out in faith and prays the no rain prayer. And, and God comes through with the drought. Then God speaks to him and says, go to the, go to the ravine. I'm going to provide for you. And Elijah listens and obeys and God comes through. And he's met with supernatural provision by the brook and the ravens. And then God speaks and says, go to Zarephath. And Elijah obeys. And, and I'm sure in the midst of all the fear and panic and terror, and God comes through with supernatural provision for the widow. And finally, do you see the track record of trust and relationship being established here? When it comes to death itself, Elijah says, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you can raise this boy to life. This series is all about ordinary people becoming. Ordinary people, we exist at Greenhouse to have ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. It's progressive, it's a journey. Friends, do you see Elijah in this chapter is becoming who he ends up being. By the end of his life, Elijah seems anything but ordinary, but James makes clear at the very least he didn't start that way. Elijah starts ordinary, just like everybody does. But then he steps out 
And God provides supernaturally in accordance with Elijah's obedience and faith. And Elijah builds a faith record with God over time through obedience. Because Elijah did not just, like we talked about last week, abide and pray. He took that one step further and he expect and obey. We grow in faith. We step into the extraordinary when we obey God in spite of our fear. Any small business owners here? online and small business owners. We've got a guy in our church, he's a small business owner and, and uh, the great resignation struggle has been real, especially for anyone that's a small business owner or manager. It's like, oh my goodness, that's crazy and staffing is nuts and, and he, he's in our micro church and so we, we were praying together about this and looking for people and people moving and people leaving and it was crazy and we're praying with them and, and over the course of an exceptionally stressful several months, God came through and his team was in a great spot. So we celebrated with him. By the way, this is one of the huge benefits of a micro church community, a community that can stand with you. Anybody can kind of celebrate when everything's great on the mountaintops. It takes a special tribe to sit with you in the valley. So we sat with him in the valley. God came through. It was amazing. We all celebrated together and everything was great for like a year. And then it started happening again and people were moving. It was around that time of year. And I remember going up to him like, hey, bro, how are you feeling? We're praying with you. He said, you know, I feel it. But God already did this once before. He said, I'm not freaking out like I did last time. I'm still praying, like keep praying with me, you know, don't get me wrong, but like, we're gonna be fine. What's that? That's an ordinary person becoming. That's someone building a track record of trust in God through provision and obedience, saying, you know what? It's David when he says, I've been young and now I'm old and I've, you know, now that I think about it, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That's an ordinary person becoming, which by the way is how it always works. Even Jesus says he grew in stature and favor with God and man. What language is that? Becoming. For the God man, it's how we always go, we grow. Here's the application. Make it real tangible. I'd love for us to practice some homework this week. Here's my question. I'd like for you to think about this today, right now, in this moment. Maybe take back and talk to a trusted friend, a spouse, a roommate, microchurch. Are you abiding to hear? You got to do that. That's where it starts. That's step one. And then stepping out to obey. In the story of Elijah, we see both. Are you abiding to hear? Do you have the space? Do you have a rhythm where you're connecting with God? You have that 15 and 15 time to hear his voice. If he has something to say, do you even have the space and the wherewithal to listen? That's where it starts. But then are you stepping out to obey? By the way, I mentioned we'll get into this in a couple weeks, but if you're dealing with confusion, you're like, ah, I don't know if it's biblically clear, like if it's like share a Bible verse with this person, that's probably not the devil, right? <laughs> Might be God, at least worth giving it a shot. If it's like encourage this person, okay. If it's like slap that person in the face, probably not God. You might not wanna do that. If you're like, ah, I don't know if it's biblically clear, that's the beauty of Proverbs. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. That's where you pull together some trusted friends, a microchurch leader and say, hey, this is what I'm th feeling. What do you think about it? And then you listen. Are you abiding to hear and then stepping out to obey? This, this is an area over the course of sabbatical, was gone over the summer, had some goals with the family and then we had amazing family time, some goals with the kids, some core memories and we had awesome time together. One of my goals spiritually is I wanted to grow in hearing God's voice specifically in prophecy and words of knowledge. 
I just, I'm, I'm over the thought that just natural uh, eloquence, communication, great music can transform a life. That's not how it works. I'm like, God, I want your power in my life. Not because I'm special, because I'm desperate. So that was one of my goals for sabbatical. A couple weeks in, I had this moment. I wasn't quite sure it was God, but I got that little like, you know, like when your heart starts beating and you're like, oh my God, you get nervous, which by the way, I've come to decide is almost always God starting to move. You know, so I got that thing, but I'm like, ah, I don't, and, and, and I, I kind of tried to like, I went like 50% into what I felt I was supposed to do just to like see how the waters were. Like, is this anything gonna happen? And nothing happened. I was like, and, and, I, and the guy left and, and I was like, I don't know if I like missed it, missed it, but I like, I wish I would at least swung the bat. You know, like, I wish I would have given it a shot. Anyone ever been there before? You're like, okay, I know I'm a pastor. He's not perfect. Nope. I was like, man, I wish I would have done it. And so I gave God my Tim Tebow speech. I'm like, Lord, you will never again watch someone more passionately fulfill your word. Give me another shot, you know? And so literally a week later, we're on an airplane. We're coming back from one of our trips that we took as a family on sabbatical. We're in an airplane. My son's there in the window seat. Some rando is here in the aisle. The guy sits down and some, for some reason, I end up looking over right as his phone opens up and his screensaver says, uh, Dios es amor, God, God is love. And I mean, clear as day, I had, I had a thought for him that I thought was from God. And my heart starts going, and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I'm not gonna miss this one. But I'm like, but I'm gonna do it at the end of the flight. So just in case it's really awkward, like, I'm like, okay, God bless you, see you later. You know, I'm go, just keeping it real. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna not do this. Like, I gotta do it. I love him. I, I wanna, like, this has been my prayer. I don't just want an ordinary life. If that happens, God is not to blame. It's me. God, I'm, I'm gonna go for it. So we land. I'm just, I'm telling y'all this true story. So we land and I take my AirPods out. As soon as the tire, you know, the tire's hitting, you're like, oh, you're doing that thing. You're like, are we gonna live? The plane's going a million miles an hour. We land and I take my headphone out and I was like, hey, bro, I noticed your screensaver. Because you, know, you don't know how that's going to go. And I'm like, I thought it was really cool. He's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, okay. And I was like, hey, I, I follow Jesus too. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And, and I just shared with him. I said, as soon as you sat down, I just felt like God said, you're his boy and you love him from a genuine, pure place. And I'm not sure where you're even at in your faith journey. I don't know if the screensaver is just something that someone put on there for you, but I just feel like I'm supposed to encourage you. God loves you. He sees you. He sees your passion for him. Keep going. And it was a total thing. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, I just recently started following Jesus. And I love him so much. I'm like, I knew it, I knew it. But I didn't, I was like, oh, and I was like, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, I'm a part of this church. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but like we meet in these like house churches all during the week. And then we get together on like a Sunday and all the house, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Who would do that? That's wild. By the way, that's exactly what we do. I mean, all these crazy parallels. He's like, yeah, I'm going somewhere with my family and I've really been praying for them. I'm like, that's amazing. Well, God's going with you. He's like, oh, this is we get off the plane. He's like, come meet my family. I'm like, okay, you know, we got to get to a flight. But all right, cool. And, and it was this whole thing. And I walked away and what I thought was, I'm sure glad I've started listening to fear. Oftentimes, because we're ordinary people, just like Elijah, we get afraid when there's something that we think might be God, so we run the other direction because it might go bad. At this point, obviously, very imperfectly, I have decided that if I start getting afraid, I have found that 
most of the time, it's because, not because it's not God, it's because it is. And every force of hell is predicated against God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, you know what one of the number one commands in scripture is? Do not fear. Almost every time God shows up, guess what people are doing? Fearing. Not a real way to use syntax, but you're tracking with me. They're afraid. I'm like, anytime I start getting afraid, that's my indicator to be like, ooh, I know what this means. God is near. And I don't want to miss it, church. I don't, I, John, your brother, I don't want to settle for ordinary when God has designed us for extraordinary. Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just waiting for heaven. We're supposed to pray and then live for it to come to earth. By the way, no one stumbles their way into an extraordinary life. No one accidentally ends up in an extraordinary life where God's kingdom comes and heaven touches earth and they step out, they obey, they trust, they believe. They take tiny steps, most often, if not always, in spite of their fear and they watch God come through. And if you found yourself frustrated, like I've been praying, I've been abiding, I've been spending my 15 and 15, nothing's happening. I would ask you, you're listening, but are you doing? I wanna to toss out last week, Pastor Malik gave an application. I'm gonna wrap up here in just a second, but Malik gave an application for 15 and 15. I wanna take that one step deeper, add a little segment to your homework this week. Keep doing 15 and 15. And if you're like, what does that mean? 15 minutes in God's word in the Bible and 15 minutes in prayer, talking to and listening to God every single day. All right, 15 and 15, but I wanna add one segment to that equation, which is not a real equation, so math people don't hate me, okay? 15 and 15 equals one. In, some of you are cringing right now. I'm dying inside. All right, in your 15 and 15, I'm asking that what would come out of that is one specific thing God wants you to do that day. Because that's what Elijah did. In your 15 and 15, ask God, Lord, is there one person you want me to encourage? Is there one thing you want me to say? Is there one interaction you want me to have? Is there one prayer you want me to be praying? Is there one of my kids that needs special attention today? Is there one of my roommates that really needs some encouragement? God, I'm here, I'm with you. You've got good works. You've prepared in advance for me to walk in. Give me one thing you want me to do. And then I double dog dare you to do it. you just might experience the extraordinary. I'm gonna close with this story because this story ends with both rescue and redemption. Amen. Rescue and redemption. Look at verse 23. Elijah picks up the child, now resurrected, carries him down from the room into the house, gives him to his mother and says, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God and the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. She says, now I know. I read this, I'm like, for real? Like you had supernatural cafeteria provision from heaven and now you know? Why, what in the world? But there's a reason. 
up to this point in the story, it's lots of your God and the God of Elijah and the God of your people and the God of Israel because in her region, remember, this was the bedrock for worship of Baal. Baal was the God of the harvest. Baal was the God of provision. Baal was the God, he was an agrarian God in an agrarian world. And at this point, clearly the God of Israel had shown that he's more powerful than Baal. Where Baal could not provide, God was now, like we sung, Yireh, Jireh, the provider. But there was another major deity worshiped in this region. He was sort of preeminent over Baal and all of the other deities in this pagan society. His name was Mot and he was the God of death. Because it's one thing to be able to control some oil and a jar. But nobody has control over death. And then Elijah prays. And he steps out of faith. And God brings about resurrection. And this woman's question that might have been lingering in her mind, well, we know that God is bigger than Baal, but there's nobody. Is God bigger than Mott? Is God bigger than death? The answer for this woman was solved in a moment. Yes, he is. This God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God is bigger than death. I mean, look at this extraordinary story that God is writing here. Like, look at this amazing, not only are the people of God, and we'll see it later as we move into the story, not only are the people of God called back from idol worship, not only is Elijah physically saved, not only is this woman and her family physically saved, but God uses this ordinary Elijah to bring about literal rescue and redemption of her soul. They are saved in the physical and in the spiritual. And if you stop the, the movie halfway through, it seems crazy. Like if you stop the movie halfway through, you're like, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. I don't know. And maybe you're halfway through the movie right now, whatever scene in your life. And you're like, I don't know. God, are you even present? He is. God, can you even do it? He can. God, have you forgotten about me? He hasn't. How do I know? Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Elijah is the God of today. And he's a God that will be. And what he did in the past gives us faith in the current moment of what he can do now and what he can do in the future. He is the God of resurrection and God looked down at our story and amidst of all the things against us there was one seemingly insurmountable obstacle it was death but God so loved the world you and I that he sent his son Jesus to answer once and for all that even in the midst of the most challenging, seemingly hopeless situation you might encounter in this earth, even death itself has no power over the risen Lord Jesus. He came to conquer sin and conquer death and he is the same God today. She says, now I believe. What's the story of Elijah all about? Don't you see it? It's all about Jesus. There's one who is to come. It shows the ultimate power over sin and death once and for all. It is finished. Now I believe, she says. It only happens when you see, when you experience the resurrection. And in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our challenges, my hope, our hope is that you would lean in in faith 
because even the ultimate enemy of death has been defeated. God is even bigger than Mott. And he wants to move in your life today. Let's pray. Jesus, you're amazing. And you're here in this room and you're moving in this space even now. And my prayer is that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, every single individual in the room, in Guyana, watching online has a different story. We have different obstacles. We have different challenges. And yet you are the God of the extraordinary. You are Jaira. You are our provider. You are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. Would you stir faith and hope in our hearts even right now? I want to give you a moment to respond to before life gets busy and lunch plans pop up and everything's moving a million miles an hour, I wanna give you a shot right now in the privacy of your own seat, chair, couch, wherever you're at, to respond. If you need to respond in faith this morning and reach out for the same resurrection hope that this widow experienced, I have great news for you. God didn't stop doing stuff like that. He did it for me and he could do it for you. And I wanna invite you to put your faith in him today to pray than to expect and to obey. If you're here and you wanna put your faith in Jesus, even right there, wherever you're at, say, God, you got me, I'm yours. I'm yours. God, I need you. I've got nowhere else to turn. I've got no other hope. I, I, I can't fix where I'm at, who I am, the situation I'm in. I need you trust you. I'll follow you.